0: Texas talking,
1: ah, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, ah, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas goes all? and Texas goes no Texas
2: talking. Hello and welcome to TripCast. This is Steve Municieri, state chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Here in Fort Worth, we're about
1: to have our state convention and get ready for the November elections. In the meantime, enjoy our panels on the TripCast.
0: Thank you. This is Reeve Hamilton here with the TripCast for the first week of June. I'm joined by editor Emily Ramshaw.
3: Hi there. Well, I got to go first this week?
0: You don't get used to it.
3: Yeah, with no Evan and Ross here, I'm the real winner.
0: I think we're all all the real winners. She's the highest ranking panelist. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Second highest ranking, of course, is reporter Corey McLagan.
2: Hello. Thanks for putting me ahead of that guy. Also, oh, i fresh back from maternity leave. Fresh, back. I am. Yes. Fresh back. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, welcome. Thank you. And this is this is one of the first things you get to do. Very exciting.
2: Yes. I'm I assume- a little
1: concerned. You left the baby outside the door of the crib cast room.
2: Oh shoot! Who's watching <laughs> wow. the baby? Well, I Jay. Mean, we couldn't. <laughs> yeah, right. We couldn't
3: have him screaming through the trip cast. No, the that's the our job to be screaming cast. through the trip cast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That is the No, that's actually Evan sitting outside the door right. wondering why he didn't get let in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those are the dulcet screams of Ben Philpot of KUT in the Texas Tribune that you hear there. Hello. He is our third, but not least, <laughs> fourth analyst. we got to include you. I'm not sure
3: those were screams. <laughs> For ben, he did screams. the Ben Philpot? ha Ben's ha! <laughs> 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 I could oh, do, do that laugh in my sleep. <laughs>
0: Now that we've gotten all our laughter out of our system, uh, let's talk about what uh, Chairman Munisteri was talking about, which is the upcoming Republican convention. Of course, by the time many people listen to this, it will be the Next recently <laughs> occurred Republican convention, and everything we say about it will have been proven correct.
1: Yeah. hopefully. Yeah.
0: So, where is it? What is it? Ben, you're going to it. Give us the uh, the basics. You lucky duck.
1: Uh, it's in Fort Worth. Isn't this the second time in a row they've had it in Fort Worth? I don't remember. Second out of three times, something like that. But it's in uh, Fort Worth Convention Center uh, and uh, extremely in Wendy large. Wendy Davis' backyard. I was going to say, was this yes. planned
3: because it's in Wendy Davis's backyard or has it been on um, well, scheduled
1: to be in Fort Worth? I know that they've had it in Fort Worth before. I think it's just it's a it's a nice facility. They didn't
0: just discover Fort Worth yeah. because of Wendy um, Davis. Look, right. That town sounds nice. But it
1: is interesting. <laughs> I mean, you would think that maybe Wendy would want to have the Democratic Convention in Fort Worth the year she's running. Republicans are here. So they're having it in Dallas.
3: I was gonna say she probably wants to have it like in McAllen or something. Well that might
1: yeah. Or El Paso or, mm-hmm. or one of the cities. Somewhere she Texas, could somewhere she could like. work
3: on her turnout numbers. Arlington once again gets Hispanics. left out no matter which mm. way you're talking you
1: know. I'm I'm still waiting for the first state convention to be at Jerry World. That that's going to be an interesting time. But but necessary. that's not the one you're going to. This but that's not so telling us one more going about that one. one. Uh, you know, it's uh, extremely large. I think they're saying uh, over nine thousand delegates, over eleven thousand attendees. Uh, they've always got a gigantic uh, kind of vendor area with uh, you know where you can get oh, it, just about anything from different conservative movements and groups across the country. Um, it's uh, uh, you know it's always uh, it's always very highly produced. Uh, as a radio person, you kind of notice these things. You know, it, it's almost like they've uh, put on like a a Broadway production with musical cues. That's and people, what Republicans
0: are known for. Well, right? and
1: people people coming in and hitting their marks and turning to the right camera and you know, it's breaking out in song and breaking out. in so, well, uh, Governor Perry one year did have an entire uh, marching band join him on stage wow. with balloons falling and you know, confetti and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, a really big deal. They really like to put on a good show. Um, and uh, uh, so it's it's always interesting. And, of course, this year we've got you know multiple um, kind of policy issues and moments hanging out there that are going to be discussed uh, and are already being discussed in kind of the subcommittee meetings that are going on already in Fort Worth.
3: And so what's the work then that has to be done?
1: Uh, con- well, I guess number one, congratulating everybody who just won in the primaries and the runoff elections uh, and getting all the grassroots uh, delegates all revved up to go back to their – home counties and their home precincts and, and, you know, get, get the vote out in November. Um, in terms of the party platform, there is talk of changing the immigration language that was inserted in the last Republican convention, which, uh, put forward the idea of a, of a guest worker program, a, you, know, you could say a more moderate tone on, on illegal immigration than what you hear on the campaign trail from some Republican candidates. Uh, that actually you know, came to the floor or came to the main convention floor for a vote and got added last time. There's already talk now about stripping that out or severely altering it. Um, Right. It looks uh,
3: like it's not there at all in the draft platform.
1: Oh, well, so there you go. So that's taking it out completely. Um, You know, uh, I was just talking to somebody today and they said that it's it's not that the Republican Party of Texas is split on this. It's that the maybe 20 or 30, and this is what the person told me, the 20 or 30 percent of Republican establishment have a larger influence on the platform committee. And therefore, they're the ones that are trying to insert this language, said, but the rest of the convention, they want it stripped out. They don't like it at all. They think it's too lenient on illegal immigrants, and you know they want it stripped out. And
0: this is the segment of the party that has emerged pretty victorious from the primaries, right, yes. that wants it stripped out. Right. I mean, the the more conservative wing seems to definitely be behind the steering wheel in the Republicans, just based on primary victories
1: Right. And it's interesting how the makeup of the convention kind of ebbs and flows, you know, uh, two years ago and definitely four years ago, uh, or I guess, well, anyway, over the last some number of years, yeah, some number of years. over counting? the last uh, over the last handful of conventions, you've had like the Ron Paul Republican delegates really make an impact, I think, like four years ago, uh, or six years ago, I'm sorry, when he was first running for president, they were really there. Um, uh, and, you know, took over a couple of seats on the uh, executive committee, took over a lot of delegate, uh, a lot of uh, chairmanships of precincts. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and this time around, we maybe are going to see the real rise of of the Tea Party delegates, um, maybe with even more power than we have kind of assumed they've had within the convention in the past.
0: Well, do you guys think it'll be tough to reconcile these sort of... The Dewhurst voters and the Patrick voters, uh, you know, given how ugly some of the primary – especially the runoffs got, sort of – you had the, the Dam Branch people and the Ken Paxson people were sort of slinging mud at each other. Or is it easy to – when you're com- coming together in Fort Worth, everyone just gets along and hugs and makes up?
2: This is when you forget everything that was that was said in the spring, right? I mean, I think it has to be, you know, they
3: have to show there's been so much attention to the fact that the Republican Party, particularly in Texas, has been so divided of late. You know, I think they really have to come back to the table. And a convention is a perfect place for this and say, look, we're all on the same team here. You know, obviously, we're done with the primary. There was a lot of mud being slung. Now we really have to show a united front because I do think that they see, you know, a threat from Democrats that probably feels a little bigger than it has been in years past.
0: Or at least they feel a threat coming down the road if it's not this year the you know everyone sort of is always saying like well maybe in a few years maybe in
1: 10 well, years but it's out there somewhere right i think they feel uh this isn't going to sound right i think they almost feel more of an internal <laughs> but he'll say it anyway say it anyway i i think i think they feel more of an internal threat than they do an external threat i think they uh feel like if they don't come together if they don't say all the elections are over now we just got to do what we need to do um then uh, you know, if they do that, then I don't think they, at the moment at least, are really showing much of a, a concern for the external threat of the, Repu- uh, the Democratic Party ticket.
3: You know, I mean, this is what happened in the 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, Democrats had obviously long been so victorious in Texas. And then the Democratic Party got pretty big and got pretty divided. And, you know, you had Democrats who were more conservative leaning versus Democrats who weren't. And that created a huge opening for the Republican Party, which then became, you know, wildly dominant in Texas for decades and decades to come. So, and I, oops, yeah. sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, so I think that, you know, you see a challenge that exists when, when parties get sort of so big and so divided. I think Republicans are probably looking at that and saying, look, if history is any lesson, we need to get on the same page here.
1: And I think it it is going to be pretty uh, – uh, it's going to be pretty kumbaya at the convention because I think that the party structure has been really the uh, – what maybe was behind the times because the delegates for the last couple of cycles have been already leaning and maybe even, you know, bordering on majority of Tea Party, more conservative. You know, you remember the last convention. These are the super
0: involved people.
1: Right. And Mm -hmm. you remember the last convention two years ago, uh, you had Kay Bailey Hutchison speaking as a surrogate for Mitt Romney uh, uh, during the convention. And when he got up people started just plain booing. Others started chanting, Ron Paul, Ron Paul. She then, of course, said, you know, that's right, that's right. Romney, Romney. It was really awkward. um, You're making
0: a face as if
1: this (laughs) wasn't the most clever Yeah, well, I, I. but I think that, you know if now the the elected leaders the uh the primary winners are going to reflect the people out in the audience more this year than they maybe have in the past so i think when you know when they come up on stage everybody's going to get excited and everybody's going to you know jump up and cheer and i don't think you're going to have um an issue with uh, maybe a candidate being booed on stage or anything like that
0: but you say it's going to be kumbaya aren't we already expecting protests of various sorts over various issues. You know, you have the the open carry people, and then there's this issue of the log cabin. Republicans not getting a booth at the convention. So
3: what are these two issues? Walk through them.
0: Uh, Or run. Or run. Well, not with guns. (laughs) Well, you know, Texas, the state of Texas has featured a number of sort of open carry protests recently, right, where people are just hanging out in public with their guns of various sorts, you know, to sort of...
3: Long arms. Yeah,
1: long guns,
0: rifles, shotguns. Right.
3: What they want is the ability to carry handguns openly, the same way that they can carry, you know, hunting rifles, for example. And And the
2: NRA seems to be unsure whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Depending on what day you (laughs) ask them. There was some confusion this week.
1: It was was either –
0: first it was weird and scary. Then they were sort of – sorry for calling it weird and scary.
3: Right. It, the NRA has now said basically some rogue staffer was was uh, came out and said that you know that the open carry movement was was problematic to the entire cause so the NRA has now said you know that isn't the NRA stance and you know that person was not sanctioned to speak on our behalf
2: speaking Although- of organizations that have impressive conventions high tech conventions the NRA <laughs> have you been I have to really? the one in Houston yeah
0: Where, it- what was the carry style like there
2: um, I there was uh, there were a lot Whatever's of guns legal. on the well the entire uh, exhibit area is is guns
0: that so there's sense. a lot
2: of guns there <laughs> they're all out in the open <laughs> they're all out in the open yeah well so what's the flap then is there a flap there's a flap over guns
3: because
1: open carry is not going to be permitted at the convention right well open carry of the long guns is not going to be allowed although the Republican Party uh, is able to. Uh, kind of hide behind the fact that it's not their fault. Uh, The state law is quite clear. If you've got a Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission uh, license to sell alcoholic beverages, you cannot knowingly allow someone with an open carry gun uh, onto your premises. Um,
3: so it's not even hide- they, It's not even hiding behind it. I mean, they're they're bound they're by well, law. Well, I guess
0: right. yes. I, you're right. Hiding, so the behind, are hiding just behind, choosing with- to drink instead of respect the Second Amendment.
2: Right. right. Well, the convenience. I don't even think you have to drink. License. It's yeah. just that they yeah. have the license. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But so but, you know, of course, and many of you have maybe seen on Twitter, there are some loopholes to that in delegate subcommittee meetings uh, already this week in Fort Worth. You've had open carry uh, people from uh, Open Carry, Texas, the kind of the big organization that's behind this in the state.
3: And has been holding all these rallies rallies, on Sixth Street during South by Southwest.
1: Going into Chipotle, going to Sonic and Chili's and all these places, which is Ben's favorite haunts. Yeah, some of their <laughs> which uh, has gotten pushback from those places. They have, it has. They well, have sort of sided
0: with the scary and weird. Well, and, perspective. Those and businesses. The, the
1: thing is, though, that um, uh, Chili's and and. Uh, chipotle can cite the same thing that the texas republican party is citing they sell alcohol on that premises it's not about A very whether sugary limeades well it's it's it's, it's know, not about it whether or not they support them or don't support them they can just walk up and say we serve alcohol stay out mm-hmm. um
3: i wonder are we going to see legislation in this upcoming session too <laughs> well
1: they're in so they're, the people are in this in the committee meetings right now trying to get things you know both on the party platform and uh, just
3: that, that if you sell alcohol, you can still carry
0: your no, no, guns around? No, uh, that just, seems
3: like a hard sell. I just made that one up. <laughs>
1: but but they're there, and they're there using a loophole, which is they're there hold, uh, carrying uh, pre-1900 or uh, uh, black powder pistols openly on their hip, which you know, you're allowed to do that. Even though you can't bring an, a, a rifle into the convention center, those guns are not considered... Um, Firearms, the black powder rifle, uh, pistols are not considered firearms. So you can bring those in even though there is a TABC license.
3: All right. And then there's the log cabin Republicans issue. Who wants to fill us in on that?
1: Well, I mean, that. I, I, ben does. I can. You know, I wrote some on that too. Uh, you know, that one. I thought you were radio. <laughs> I wrote it and then read it on the radio. <laughs>
2: You read? I and thought then you, posted posted
1: you were winging this thing.
3: What? Yeah.
1: You didn't realize we had editing? Well, yeah. Uh, Ben's been reading this whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shh, let me put my notebook down. here. Make, make notebook noise. Yeah,
3: thank you. Um, Sound effects. Uh, another thing we do in radio. This is like an
0: old-timey radio show that people used to listen to when they carried their black powder pistols around.
3: <laughs> right. I'm going to do my, my clopping horse feet. <laughs> uh.
1: You know, so the fact that Log Cabin Republicans were not allowed a booth uh, is really nothing new, although uh, the group um, – maybe the group's response this year was a little new. They were – the national part – the national group and the local chapter uh, in Dallas had a big press conference. Log
0: where, Cabin Republicans are a gay Republican group. Right, yes. Supporting gay – Thank you. It gay, was uh quiz. Supporting
1: uh, <laughs> uh, uh, equality, uh, you know, same-sex equality and everything. Um They, uh, you know, they were had really harsh language in their press conference and in a press release saying that, you know, this is going to uh, this is going to really hurt the Republican Party, that Republicans uh, are behind the times on this, that millennials totally don't agree with what Republican establishment is doing right now and that eventually it's going to hurt him. I asked uh, the national executive director whether or not this meant that he would not be endorsing you know, the slate of Republican candidates in Texas, especially those who have come out and said, you know, that kind of backed up the state party platform, which says that homosexuality, quote, tears at the fiber of society. Well, that's Mm -hmm. the
0: thing, right, is that they didn't get the booth because, and our introducer this week, Chairman Ministeri, said because, you know, they support uh, same-sex marriage, which is sort of against against the platform. But in fact, the platform is not just anti-same-sex marriage, Mm -hmm. it's anti the, practice or concept
1: of homosexuality right
3: and it, the democrats well, quickly came out and said you are more than welcome to have a booth at our convention <laughs> i actually i
1: was on the phone with as the, long as you're not a Larouchean, right, right exactly <laughs> feel free i was on the phone with the that executive director when that email came out from the dallas uh, from the democratic party state democratic party and i asked him about it, and he just said thanks but no thanks uh, <laughs> you know we're still republicans we want to build up the party but the republican party needs to stop dividing itself um, but it, uh, uh, it, well, I forget what. But I was it does. But it does seem like a
0: <laughs> that does seem like a potential theme for the convention, right? For people observing the convention, it seems like on that issue, on immigration, they probably are behind where the younger generation polling shows. You know their feelings are. It seems, especially you know, on gay marriage, younger generations have less and less of a problem with it. Right. Uh, on immigration, I think there's probably they're probably support a sort of a softer approach or sort of a more pragmatic Mm -hmm. approach Mm -hmm. so
3: this is i mean this is the big challenge for the republican party in texas right now because they want to grow 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 you know yet the the wing of the party that has been most effective of late in getting people elected is the wing of the party that you know does not you know want to extend additional rights to to homosexuals and you know does not want a guest worker program. You know, I think that's the challenge facing them as they try to grow.
0: They want to grow, but also sort of like grow inside a smaller tent, basically.
1: (laughs) Well, grow, you know, it's, it's interesting. They, there's, uh, a lot of talk about, you know, uh, from people like John Cornyn and Steve Munisteri, that you know we we don't have to agree 100 percent of the time. Let's agree 80 percent of the time and move forward as a party. But um, then you turn around. and then you turn ban around the and the log cabin Republicans. Ban. Right. right. And, 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 and what is
3: forward? What does forward mean? You know, uh, that's I right. think that's Continuing the question. <laughs> right. Right.
0: So. so do you think? But do you think that these things that are sort of like they get a lot of press heading into the conference and they make a lot of headlines and especially you know the open carry. Makes for good photos and interesting demonstrations, but when actually push comes to shove, do you think the convention will be at all tense, or will it just be like, "Hey, we're Republicans, let's have a good time here with our drinks"?
2: Depends on how and many people guns. are there with big <laughs> guns,
0: <laughs> and if they're perceived as scary and weird, mm-hmm.
2: right? Or how
3: big of how big protests are, if there are protests.
1: You know, I mean the fact the fact that the party uh, the party platform you know almost all of it is debate behind closed doors. Um, kind of like the way we put together a bill in the legislature, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know it's all it's almost all behind closed doors, and it's going to be uh, you know it'll be interesting to see on Saturday when they put a vote to the party platform whether or not you ha- have groups um, either open carry or immigration or. Um, log cabin Republicans that try to come up and do a floor debate and change some of these things. Um, and odds are, if it couldn't get into the party platform in the first place, um, there's almost no chance that that it will be changed on the floor, or that they'll even have the platform to talk about it, to, to, debate, to debate it on the floor, out in the open and out in the public. There's a,
0: you, you know, this is all great. But as people
1: that have covered conventions before, you know, does
0: any of it, really matter. Does anyone actually later on when we get into session someone going to pick up the platform and be like, "Oh, I guess I should be uh following this plank."
2: Well, I think when the the immigration plank changed last time, um what what some people saw as a softening on immigration, I I think people noticed that. I think you know, as the Republicans try and reach out to to Hispanics, um that, that change did not go unnoticed. So I, th- I think it does matter what the platform says.
1: I I think that the people that are going to be really trying to pay attention this week are, are, are Democratic operatives. I mean, the um, battleground Texas and you know the Democrats would like nothing better than to be able to you know blast out emails and put on television ads that say the Republican Party chose to take a harsher stance on immigration. The Republican Party chose to, uh, you know, block um its homosexual members from having full participation within the convention uh you know whether or not those ads then do anything you know uh, at least in this immediate election uh we'll see but uh but as far as battleground texas which has kind of that long view anyway they would just love to be able to hold on to this to show that that the republican party is not about uh, uh,
3: inclusion. Inclusion,
1: uh, inclusion, especially into the demographic that is, you know, the battleground for who's going to control, <clears throat> excuse me, who's going to control the state in coming years. All
0: right, well, let's move on from politics to some policy changes that actually are definitely making some changes here in the state. Uh, maybe. Definitely, Possibly. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Which is Ben's favorite movie. <laughs> uh, Corey, you had a story this week about state-supported living centers. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're viability moving forward in the say Can you sort of bring us up to speed on, on what the situation is?
2: Yeah, sure. There's been sort of this long-simmering debate about what to do with these 13 institutions for people with mental disabilities, and, and there's always this um, there's been a fight for a while on on whether to keep them open, whether to close them, and the Sunset um, Committee just, just came out recommending that some of the facilities close, specifically the Austin one. Six of them, right? They said six
3: of the 13 should close, but they only named one officially, right. which was the Austin facility.
2: And Austin's been having trouble for a while sort of um, – keeping keeping staffed up they they spend a ton of money in overtime and they think that the the sunset Commission report is is just going to make it harder to to keep people, to retain staff because of all the uncertainty um, and so sort of going into the session the question is what will You know, will lawmakers decide to to close some of these institutions? And the thing is, it is it is really hard to close uh, a government institution. Um, And in the early '90s, there was a recommendation, a state recommendation, to close the Mejia State School. It was called at the time, and. there were protests, and you know, not only do do some family members say that this is really an important place for their loved ones, but it's also a very large employer in, I believe, a limestone county. And so, you know, there were protests, and Governor Richards eventually came in and and re- reversed that decision, and and it, you know, s- stayed open. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see I mean, what happens because states, a lot of states are closing these institutions. And there's sort of a, I would say, general national trend toward moving people into smaller community homes. But, you know, there's some families that say these institutions are the best place for their loved ones.
0: Is there any talk of improving the facilities at the ones that would remain open?
3: Not, I mean, it, it's really them. expensive. That's the other thing about this type of care. Is if you do an analysis of the, what it costs to care for someone in a community-based home versus what it costs to keep an institution like this operational, you know, these are huge costs. The Austin facility, in particular, is not just a major cost; it's sitting on some incredibly valuable land. So I think you know, I'd be curious to see how much that plays a role in well, any of these Well, that's in the report. They, they talk right. about
1: valuing the land for sale after the hospital's been closed, right? Or the facility.
3: You know this. For when Corey and I were covering the ledge, you know, a a few years ago, this this fight has obviously comes up almost almost every session. And it's really fiery between families on both sides of this issue. And interestingly, in the last session, this conversation seemed to calm a little bit. Disability advocates on both sides of this issue said, you know, kind of like the Republicans, you know, we need to all sort of meet somewhere in the middle and and not make this such a huge fight. It's really dividing us. But the release of this Sunset Report, which was really sort of the, the sort of biggest, you know, I mean, it was kind of a groundbreaking statement to say officially six of these places should close, um, has reignited this fight in a big, big way.
2: I think a lot of people can agree on um, um, both sides of the debate can agree that maybe there should be fewer of the institutions. But it's it's going to be very tricky to figure out which ones, because, of course, if that's the one that your loved one is at and they live 15 minutes from your house, it's a big deal if that one closes down. And
3: your lawmaker comes to the legislative session and, you know, suddenly is faced with losing hundreds of jobs in, in their community, you know.
1: Well, maybe that's why they named Austin. You know, is it easier to swallow losing a few hundred jobs in Austin where the unemployment rate's like, you know, three percentage points
2: lower than the national average? I think and it's more that? than a few hundred jobs. There's... There's a ton of people. A ton of people
3: work at these facilities. But even so, I think probably, you know, Austin is a relatively – obviously, Austin is a pretty left-leaning place. You know, I think that politically, it's – this has been more polarizing in rural communities um, in Texas than it has been in urban communities.
2: It's not the largest employer here. Right. Like, it might be elsewhere. elsewhere. Mm -hmm.
3: And there are other care opportunities, you know, probably in an urban community where Mm -hmm. it would be much tougher if, say, you lived out in Mejia and you were faced with the closure mm-hmm. of that facility. That said, these places don't exactly have great track records for, you know, abuse and neglect. Um, there have been a lot of problems at these facilities over the years.
2: And 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 that's why we're kind of talking about it in the first place. And there was a, a settlement with the Department of Justice from 2009 because of all the reports of, of abuse and neglect that Texas had to settle with the federal government on on working on things. And things just didn't really seem to improve. I mean, the Austin facility hired an an outside group to sort of run it and things didn't get better and um, there's and I think that's that's why there has been a trend in other states. Some states like Indiana have just closed all of them and moved people into community homes.
0: But just because they've recommended it at this point doesn't necessarily mean it will happen, sort of like you guys have said.
2: Right. Wait for lawmakers to start fighting about yeah. it. I
0: remember uh, two mm-hmm. years ago when they zeroed out the budget for, I think, four community colleges. And, you know, the lawmakers in those districts woke flipped. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's, that's what this will be like and that's what this has been like in the past is the lawmakers with these in their districts. San Angelo State School. I mean, you know, all these – Denton, all these guys come to the legislature and fight like crazy to keep their spot open.
1: Well, and also there's the what do you do with the uh, residents when mm-hmm. you close it? You know, right, right now, if I read the report right, it's over 250 days is the waiting period for moving out of a state hospital, a state uh, large state facility, and moving into a community home. And now we're talking about ramping up and closing this down by 2017. As far as the proposal says, you know, we talk, I talked to Travis County Integral Care, which does a lot of the you know coordination on the mental health stuff, and they were like, you know, yeah, that's that's the big thing is we already have this gigantic waiting list. Now we're going to dump people into onto this waiting list, and we got to try to figure out where to put them.
2: Yeah, you would have to. You'd have to put money into the You'd community to, right. programs. I mean, I interviewed a woman several years ago who had put her. Um, I can't remember whether it's her son or her brother in, as uh, it was called, a state school at the time because um, the waiting list was so long for community home. She didn't, she didn't put them in the institution because she wanted to, but it, it was the only option.
0: Right. Well, and I, you know, we don't know exactly what the next session will be like, but I think there's a strong sense that it will not be a, a group of lawmakers that are eager to spend money. On, on new programs. At the moment, that's what it yeah. appears. Probably We'll not. see how the, what comes out of the Republican Convention, I guess. That's right. <laughs> <more laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we should close on sort of a sad note and just sort of note the passing of Grace Garcia, who was the executive director of Annie's List, mm-hmm. um, who died in a car crash this week mm-hmm. and I think sort of really shocked the Democratic community in the state. Um, I personally didn't know her that well.
3: She had a, a very long history in Texas and in D.C. Uh, she went to high school in San Antonio with Leticia Van de Pute, um, And she went and worked for the Clinton administration. She was, you know, like a key scheduler for Bill Clinton and then worked for Hillary Clinton in the um, State Department. Um, you know, she before coming back to Texas uh, to work in sort of events planning and also to really be the chief executive of uh, Annie's List, which helps get uh, Democratic women or pro-choice women elected in Texas. But, you know, she's she's been a big fundraiser um, for Democratic candidates in Texas and for Hillary Clinton and was probably expected to play a pretty big role if Hillary Clinton runs for president. So I think this news came as a huge, huge shock to that community.
2: And when I heard the news... Um the very sad news um you know my first thought was gosh i i interviewed her in january and i think i recorded it and it was one of those stories where i just had maybe one sentence from our conversation um that ended up making into the story and i went back and i listened to the tape which i had had made with her permission and i listened to it this week and it was just you know she's talking about um Annie's List mission and sort of how hopeful she was for the elections in November and how excited she was about all of the candidates that they had endorsed and um, was sad to to hear that. Mm
3: -hmm. I think I mean, this is obviously a big blow to this organization at what they feel like is a really important time. The accident occurred while they were on their way uh, up north to an event featuring Wendy Davis and Letitia Vandepute. You know, uh, Letitia Vandepute has said that um, that Grace Garcia was really instrumental in her decision to run, You know, mm-hmm. basically was pushing her and pushing her uh, to run for lieutenant governor, and she ended up making that decision, obviously. So um, tough news, hard week.
0: And our condolences to everyone. And then Piper, who's an Angus List staffer who was also pretty seriously injured in the car wreck. We hope she gets better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd like to send our sincere thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music and encourage anyone with questions or comments to send them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Uh, also, feel free to go to iTunes and review us, only if you're going to do it well. So, Ben, you don't go. <laughs> well, could you write a really
1: <laughs> nice one star review? No. Okay. Those don't R- exist. Honestly,
0: better to do a five star review that's really mean.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, on behalf of Emily, Ben, Corey, and our producer, Todd. This is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Takes
3: <laughs> ha 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 ha